Hi guys, welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast. I'm your host, Alex Whiteley. And despite lockdown 2.0, we're still doing this. We're still here. We're still doing the show. Um, and today joining me is an amazing guest that popped up on my emails. And I, can't, I can't believe I didn't, I, I didn't know of you. Uh, and I'm so, so uh, privileged to be speaking to Kelder Wood. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've got Dean Harris to thank for this because she kind of introduced us um, again. Yeah, again, Dean Harris being the amazing woman that she is, um, uh, making connections. She's incredible, isn't she? She's 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 dynamic in every sense of the word. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm I'm meeting a lot of a, a strong uh, female role models in Shrewsbury. Actually, you know, Amanda Jones from Shropshire Supports Refugees was on my show a few weeks ago, and she blew me away because of just how passionate she was. There's obviously Dean Harris. Um, and there's been a few mm. women on there, even people on my team, Julie, Jules and Dee, they're, they're kicking butt on many levels. I love it. It's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to introduce uh, our listeners to, to who you are and what it is that you actually do? Because um, I, I have got a list of questions to ask you, but I think it's best if you explain you because you know you better than me. <laughs> God, that's never a short answer that's a problem um so I guess yeah my name's Calderwood um I'm the founder of Climbing Out so I guess as far as what I do now is is I run the charity Climbing Out um and Climbing Out runs five-day outdoor activity programs aimed at rebuilding confidence self-esteem and motivation in people who've been through mental and physical trauma um but I guess my passion and who I am is is kind of really related to my own journey so so I was following a professional sporting career um was injured um nearly 18 years ago now that ended up ending that career and the challenges I had in dealing with that led me to not only set up climbing out but become a member of um the DB Paracanoe squad and then led on to other adventures and journeys um that that really kind of left me doing what I'm doing now which is all about really trying to inspire and motivate other people who've been through trauma um and kind of learn to accept what's happened and find a new way forwards so when it when it comes to, to climbing out it's uh, it's all about team building and 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 improving on confidence and things right yeah I guess most of all it's about mental resilience um so oh, I think sense. as the charity yeah, it, it is as, it's around outdoor activities. So we started the charity running outdoor activity programs um, to really show people how they could adapt and overcome and challenge boundaries and step out of their comfort zone. Um, as my journey continued and as the charity evolved, we really started to bring in more and more of the personal development coaching and mental resilience um, coaching because what I learned myself was it wasn't actually about managing my injury it was more managing my mind and how I viewed my injury so we do it all in a very fun light-hearted very real life way but it's really about giving um, people coming on the programs tools for their toolbox that will help them um like, like I say, accept what's happened, come to term with what's happened, but really manage themselves moving forwards to be the best they can be, to get the most out of life and to live life and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, you're offering something that's really important, I think, actually, because um, I've spoken to, I've been very lucky to speak to many people from around the world. Uh, and one of the guys I spoke to on what's the difference for the part of my USIC team was a guy called Peter Bedard. And he was... Um, he was a found dancer who had his body smashed up in a, in a car crash very tragically. Mm. And despite what Western medicine did to him, there was only so much he could do with restoring his sort of mind and his mindset and getting through the pain and stuff. Rather than being hooked on drugs, he'd learned how to, you know, positive thinking and, and think, you know, did a lot of um, uh, healing and uh, yoga and all these sort of things mm. and breathing and meditation all these things that can sort of help him you know and it yes. changes and life it, it's so interesting you say that because I've had a conversation this morning with someone and my big thing is that so many people myself included for a long time aren't aware of these tools um and they're not just for people who've been through trauma you, you know I was actually talking about how it's helped me in my relationship with my partner because instead of us like all getting narky with each other and getting into arguments we manage ourselves so much better um 
so for anyone whether it be you know in a relationship or dealing with your kids or dealing with lockdown or dealing with a, a problem at work these tools are so helpful in in just managing situations but not enough people know about them and they're not complicated they're so simple because I'm a really simple person you know as soon as you use a big word I, I get lost okay. um but the way I describe it is if you think of sitting in a car and it's rolling down the hill and all you've got to do to stop it is put the handbrake on but no one showed you where the handbrake is and how to use it it takes 10 seconds to show someone how to use the handbrake but if no one showed you you don't know how to stop the car well, it's the same with these tools. They're really simple. They're really short. They're really sweet. But if no one shows you how to use them, you, you can't apply them to life. So I get very passionate about what we do because I know I've experienced firsthand the difference that, that these tools can make. And it frustrates me that not enough people know about them. Um, from, what I, from what I get from is climbing out aimed at younger people or people of all ages? Um, it's actually people 18 and over now. And initially when we set up, we were aimed at young people. Um, our age range was 16 to 30. Um, and then what we found as we evolved was we had a lot of people contacting us that were saying, we really need this, but we're over 30. So we ran a program for people over 30, um, which was mind blowing the impact that it had. And, you know, just because you're 31 doesn't mean you haven't got a whole heap of life still to leave, lead, you know, and whether you're 30, 50, 60, 20, you know, there's, there's loads to go out there and enjoy and explore. And, and so if we can help people to do that. So now we work with, with 18 and over um we're supporting the emergency services the military the nhs um and it's been incredible you, you know how the reach has grown and the difference that the charity's making mm. and i imagine i imagine that an 18 year old and a so like you go camping or you, you do something overnight where you guys all together i guess you do a lot of that right well yeah pre-covid um yeah <laughs> um, Thanks, but, uh, the, the mindset of of an 18 year old is completely different from one older so maybe they learn from another um life skills communication absolutely yeah and i think one of the massive things is about bringing people together who've been through shared experiences um so when you bring people together who excuse my dogs in the background that's part of working from home isn't it <laughs> um but yeah so you bring people together who they haven't necessarily been through the same challenges or the same trauma but there is this unwritten understanding of each other sorry <laughs> they're all getting vocal now there's lots of dogs um, probably Amy. <laughs> yes <laughs> I think there's a cow in the field opposite mooing that's what they're barking at um so um yeah there's this unwritten understanding of each other um and that non-judgmental shared experience but also as you say learning from each other how each other have um they, they learn how different people cope in different ways but they also support each other so when someone's having a bad day you know the rest of the group they understand it because they've been there themselves um so there's a real network of long-term friendship and support that develops as well which is as powerful as the mental resilience tools uh, and when you talk about mental resilience, because obviously people that have been through trauma, um, a lot, I mean, a lot of people that have been through tra trauma develop a lot of boundaries, a lot of barriers that they put up in front. They've got a lot of stubbornness about them, a lot of hardness about them. They've done things their way for so long that as soon as someone tells them to do something differently, uh, it gets quite difficult for them. I've seen that many, many times. Uh, what's that like for you guys? I, I think... Um... One of the in really interesting things with climbing out is um, we have only a small number of people on each programme and we build up a real um, relationship with each person. Um, and there's a, an element of trust and, and rapport with them. But massively, I think, I hope the strength with the charity is that it's very personal. You know, I've been through my own challenges with, with my leg injury. Um, and so when we're sharing these tools, it's not someone standing up in front of them, telling them how to live them, their lives, because I've read this book or I've been on a course. 
I'm sharing my own experiences. I'm sharing my own challenges. I'm sharing my own um, weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And, and then sharing kind of what I did to overcome that. And what I've seen time and time again is that does create this um, ability for us to be able to challenge people a little bit more and question some of those boundaries. Um, so I think it's something that I feel very privileged to be in the position that I can share my story. And in doing that, you kind of, you just get a trust and a buy-in from people that then enables you to challenge those boundaries and and push people's buttons a bit more you know is that really true do you have to to lead it like that and if I can just quickly give you one example um, yeah there was a police officer um came on our a program recently and he had PTSD um and he'd been stuck for a couple of years since the trauma that that he'd been through and he, he kept, I kept on saying to him, what do you want? What do you want? He said, I want to move on from this. But every time I walked past him on the programme, I heard him talking about it. And so we got to the, the fourth day of the programme. And I said to him again, what do you want from, to, you know, in life? What do you want? And he said, I want to move on from this. So I said, can I challenge you on that? Because every time I've walked past you, I've heard you talking about it in continually talking about it, does that help you to move on from it? And he said, no. And he said, but people keep asking me. And I was able to say, well, just because people ask you, do you have to tell them? You know, what else could you say that might get you a better result? Now, although he felt quite uncomfortable with the conversation, we were able to come up with the answer that he would have a response whenever someone asked that he would say, I'm a retired police officer with PTSD who's now moving forwards. And that enabled him to have the respect that he was a police officer and he felt he wanted to, to get that respect. He enabled people to know that there'd been something happened by telling them I'm a police officer with PTSD. Mm -hmm. But what he wanted to be identified by was the fact that he was now moving forwards. And that one answer has changed his life because yeah. he's now unstuck himself and been able to move forwards. But if I'd asked him that question at the start of the week or before the programme, he'd have probably said something very rude to me and told me where to shove it, you know? <laughs> um, and quite rightly so. Yeah. But I think the fact that the through sharing my own story and the fact that I've been there, I've done exactly what he's done. So I can understand why he's doing it. But that really allows us to make a difference and challenge those boundaries, which um, is great. Is it like almost like a mental mantra? So repeating those things to yourself, those, those inner truths, those kind of like, I am this, I, this is who I am and this is where I'm going. And then just repeating it till it becomes true. Is that, is that, no, <laughs> I'm being honest, um, because, you know, the one thing I always have said is keep it real. Keep it real. Okay. You know, whatever trauma you've been through, it's part of you. So pretending the trauma hasn't by going, I am this, I am this, I am this. It's almost like you're trying to bury it and, and hide it. Let's keep it real. That trauma had happened to him. So hence the I'm a retired police officer with PTSD. We're not ignoring the fact that yeah. he's got a PTSD. We're acknowledging that fact. So for me, it's actually about being honest, you know, acknowledging the challenges, acknowledging that the struggles, but then accepting that it's part of you. And once you accept it, you're then able to move forward. So I think it's choosing what you focus on. If he focuses on the PTSD bit, that's what he'll always see and that's what he'll become. Mm. But by changing that statement, he was focusing on the now moving forwards. So he was acknowledging that his police career, his PTSD was part of him. But what he was focusing on, who he now was, was that person who's moving forward. So I, I think it's just making people aware of where are you focusing your, your energy and make sure you're focusing that energy on something that's making you feel better, not feel worse. I've, yeah, it's an important lesson. I feel like if you, I mean, 
out of the, the scores of people I imagine that uh, take advantage of the great things that you guys do at climb out climbing out sorry um if you could help um, just a handful of people every time I feel like that's a great success and the fact that they've got that as 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 an outlet as an outreach you know uh, as something that they can go to and and experience uh, that you know I think it's an amazing thing um where did it all begin though for you where did climbing out begin why where and why when that's another massive question isn't it it's a good one it's a good one it's a good one it's a great question um so I guess as I as I said at the start I was injured in 2002 um I was following a professional sporting career and the accident I had left me unable to run so my whole world had been turned upside down um but more than anything I lost my identity you know sport was who I was um And so I really struggled to come to terms with that for the best part of 10 years. Um, And I always said, you know, it wasn't that I was unhappy. I just wasn't at peace with who I was with my injury. Um, And then in 2010, I decided to climb Kilimanjaro. I I knew that I needed a challenge. So um, I went and did that. And I I had a real light bulb moment on that mountain. And I realised that I needed to start focusing on what I could do with my leg rather than what I couldn't so I came back I began retraining as an outdoor instructor um, and then it was really through the outdoor world um, that I started to I I started to get back to being Kelder um, but I also realized that there were so many other people that were stuck where I'd been stuck for, for those 10 years and I wanted to do something to um, try and give them the opportunity to unstick themselves um, mm-hmm. in the same way that I had. Um, so I'd, I'd actually, I'd been working up in the Lake District one day. Um, I was driving back to Shropshire and I had a phone call when I was asked to speak to a, a guy who'd had a similar injury to myself, but he hadn't accepted the impact it had, had on his life to the point he tried to commit suicide. Oh so I pulled over and I rang him up and I spoke to him. And after speaking to him, I got back driving and I was like, I've got to do something with this. I've got to do something because there are so many people who are where I've been. Um, And by the time I got back to Shropshire, which was only about an hour and a half later, but I'd come up with the idea of climbing out and how it was going to work and what we were going to do. And it it wasn't as straightforward as that, but that was where it started from. Yeah. It's all about, I suppose you've got to get funding and you've got to, you've got to get people, you've got to volunteers, you've got to, you've got to put it all together before you can even start. I mean, things have got to be safe for people before they, they turn up, right? Yeah. So we, I mean, again, lots and lots of barriers and challenges, but hey, that's life, you know, um, nothing that's worth doing is, is easy is what I say. Um, and um, so, yeah, we ended up linking up with an outdoor um, company. So they were going to deliver the programs for us for exactly that reason to make sure they were safe and risk assessed we had qualified instructors working on the programs and then it was about raising the money and and sourcing the young people um because as, as i say we started off working with the younger age group um so we ran a ball the ball raised the money to enable us to run our first program um one of our a great friend of mine and a patron for the charity was a trustee for the Teenage Cancer Trust. So we linked up with the Teenage Cancer Trust to source the first group of young people. So the first group we took out were, were all um, survivors of cancer. Um, and that was where we started from. We, we started running one programme um, and 10 years later, you know, we're now a, a nationally recognised charity that is doing all kinds of, um, even if I say it myself, incredible work. Um, and But reaching, you know, we've reached over 350 people. We're, we're supporting um, lots of people in lots of different ways now. So, but it takes time, you, you know, it takes time. And it's it's um, been an amazing, challenging, incredible journey for climbing out yeah i mean your website is amazing i'm on it now i'm looking at it and the, the pictures the videos uh everything all, all your achievements uh, i do encourage the listeners to go uh check out uh, climbingout.org.uk uh, it's a great website and it, it lets you know everything that you guys are up to um, yeah and I, I think um you know what is a great opportunity for me to say it it sounds ridiculous thing to say but one of our biggest challenges is actually loading people onto programs and you know because of the nature of the people we work with sometimes they're lacking in confidence to get in touch and but sometimes people think oh you know my challenge isn't bad enough um 
do you know what I say? It's all relative. Um, you can have broken your finger, but if your dream was to be an international guitar player and it stops you from playing the guitar, mm. that injury is life-changing. Um, so it's all relative. So even if you don't think you're bad enough or it's significant enough, get in touch and we'll just have the conversation because um, it is. It's there for you. I mean, I've known people that have been absolutely... Uh, traumatized by ADHD for example you know they can't yeah. concentrate to learn like they, they, they try and read but they can't you know it's just, just a million things go happening at the same time for them which is yeah. heartbreaking to hear because they, there's that intent there they want they want to learn they want the education but they can't access it it's, it's, it's yes. heartbreaking um, yes uh, so yeah I, I mean climbing out is great and I, I've you know maybe I can help you with a, a couple of people I don't know maybe maybe amazing brilliant i mean the more we can get the word out there the better you know uh, so. how i mean obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic uh, mm. uh it's gonna be you know lockdown 2.0 and stuff uh how have you guys been coping through, through covid and what's the plans for the future yeah it's been um an interesting time if that's the right word to use um we had such an exciting year planned um and of course that all went out the window in in march um in august we were able to run our first program of the year in a covid adaptive way and it was incredibly successful and we were like this is amazing you know we can still go ahead we can run in a covid adapted way and then second lockdown comes in and, you know, all the, the local lockdowns came in and we've ended up having to, to scrap all our programmes for this year. But we have got a full chock-a-block schedule of programmes for next year mm-hmm. and we're ready. We know we can run them in a COVID-adapted way. So we're confident, um, you know, of going ahead and, and carrying on with the, the incredible work we've been doing. But I think what lockdown's taught us, which is actually blooming brilliant, is that um, there are other ways to reach people and other ways to deliver what we deliver on the programmes when we can't run the programmes. So what we've actually um, started putting together is we've put together a series of podcasts that share the table legs. So I talk about table legs. Um, The way I describe what we do on the programmes is if you think of uh, mental wellbeing being like a table, and your mental resilience and your mental strength is the tabletop. Um, that table needs table legs in order to, to hold it up and for the table to work. Now, in my own journey, no one told me what those table legs were. And I really wish someone had. So on the programme, we share those table legs. Um, but we also recognise that you need a toolbox of table legs because it's not one size fits all. You know, different people need different table legs depending on their journey and their personality and the situations they're in. So when I talk about table legs, that's what I mean by table legs. No, no, it's um, nice. I like that. It's great. I know. Is it, well, it, it's kind of, I, I'm so used to using the terminology. I forget other people don't know what the hell I'm going <laughs> on about. And they think I'm building tables or something. Um, I like it. I like it. But yeah, um, I, I think it explains it, it really well because, it, you know, again, everyone needs a different color, different shape, different fitting because mm. everyone's individual. And we really recognize that everyone is an individual. Mm. Um but we've put together these podcasts that share the table legs and it was kind of so if we can't reach people through the five-day programs okay it might be at a lower level but at least we're still reaching people and actually the reach through those podcasts has been huge it's been massive and, and i'm more than happy to share those links with you if that's yeah if, please if do sell, please do you know? we'll, yeah. we'll put them on our facebook yeah. brilliant because again the more people we can reach that they're, they're at all like please 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 use them like that will be brilliant um, we're then looking at running a series of online workshops, um, delivering the table legs. So, okay, we can't get together doing five-day programs, but let's still reach people. Um, we, we're running walk and talk days, which are what they say on the tin. We, you know, we're meeting, we're walking, we're talking. It's not as intense, and it maybe intense is the wrong word, but it's maybe not having the same impact as the five-day program but it's still impacting and we're actually able to impact more people um, because it's not five days that that actually, you know, they're fully funded, but it's a big expense to climbing out. The the walk and talk days are much more accessible. It's often much easier for people to get one day rather than five days to come. Um, We've put together a series of videos 
sharing the, the, the tools in the toolbox. Um, so what we've really realized is there's actually this triangle kind of sort of system. And at the bottom of the triangle, we're meet, reaching a much wider number of people at a lower level. Top of the triangle is, is the five-day programs where we're reaching a, a lower number of people, but a, a more in-depth level. But we hadn't realized that before COVID, we were just doing the five-day programs. And COVID has actually allowed us to really adapt how we can deliver, which has enabled us to reach many more people, which I've got to take as a as a plus point, you know. So it's not all been bad through COVID. <laughs> I mean, there are there are some people that have really kind of relished the challenge, actually. I mean, like we were talking, to, we had a live show last night to celebrate our two-year two anniversary of the biscuit. And we were yeah, talking yeah. about like, uh, you know, we were supposed to do these amazing things and all that sort of stuff. But like, actually, we, we adapted and we, we we became a voice for the town when there was none, you know, and th- mm. that was a, a really great idea. Um, but yeah, I, I love what you guys do. I think it's fantastic. You offer a great service to people, you know, um, and you, you got how many is on your team now and how many were there from the beginning? Has it grown? Yeah. So um, we've all, we made a decision to, sorry, that's the phone going as well, which is another part of working from home. Um, we made a decision that, we wanted to still stay small um you know climbing out is personal everyone's treated as an individual and we will build you know a very personal relationship with everyone that comes on a on a program um and we got to the point where we said we can make a decision we can either go big here reach more people but it becomes less personal or we can stay small um and we decided to stay small. So we have, I'm I'm the only person working full time um, for, for climbing out. Um, but we have a team of five instructors that work on the programs and they are the most incredible bunch of guys you could hope to meet. Um, they're very um, specifically selected, if that's the right word, to be part of the climbing out team. So it's really about having both the outdoor skills and qualifications, but also the life coaching and personal development coaching skills, but being about being the right person, you know, being a personable, friendly, jokey. It's all about having fun. We, we've got a saying on climbing out and it's um, uh, when you have fun, you can have confidence. When you have confidence, you can achieve anything. So first and foremost, we want to have fun because when people are having fun, that's when they grow, you know. So the team are the best bunch of, of guys you could hope to work with and incredibly um, empathetic and understanding, not afraid, afraid to challenge when they need to challenge, but fun. We have a lot of laughs on the programme too, which is great. I love climbing out. <laughs> I think it's Do you want to come? Yeah. come? I should, I should, I should. I'd love to. Um, I think it's fantastic. I think what you guys Thank do is brilliant you. because it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of what I stand for too. You know, it's like, you know, not, nobody in this planet, on this earth is a number. Like nobody should deserve yeah. to be treated like a number or a cog in a machine. I hate that. I hate that. Yes. that yes. It's just a stupid paraphrase. Like you say, um, yeah, and, and I do see a lot of amazing work that's been done out there, but where it doesn't sit comfortably with me is that it just becomes a process. Yeah, it, you know, and and the or a policy. Turn, yeah, and and there's no heart and passion behind it, and you know, climbing out is all about heart and passion, and and we had to stay small to do that. So mm. it was a very deliberate decision to stay small because we want every single one of our participants to matter and that they never just become a number yeah that's cool i, I love this guys make sure you you follow the, the website and get in touch um, how can people help you um especially during lockdown what, what would you like from people yeah do you know what it's it's always such a not a difficult question to answer but we have two main challenges one is accessing people and one is always making sure we've got enough funding in the bank to to finance the programs and and I hate being one of those people that's asking for money so I never do but what I would say is is like if people want to get involved we have a fundraising hike once a year we we have a fundraising ball like support in that way is great but what's even more important is tell people um you know actually as I said, reaching people is often our biggest challenge. So please, if you know anyone who's struggling, 
tell them to get in touch share the links to the podcasts you know the, the videos are going to be on an online resource um it, it's that handbrake analogy again someone might be sitting there either needing to put the handbrake on or needing to take the handbrake off and all they need to do is maybe listen to a podcast i i often say sometimes it can just be one line that connects with someone that makes the difference well let's give them the opportunity to get those one lines or those one things so so how people can support in the best way for us is tell people share the podcast share the video share the links raise awareness about what we're doing and the opportunity that's there for people um beautifully said beautifully said because i, I feel like obviously i'm a podcaster uh, <laughs> but I, I appreciate the spoken word and spoken word and, and sometimes um a carefully or even sometimes just not even carefully but a passionate mm. A passionate statement, mm. one passionate statement can change your life. And that's happened for me plenty of times. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I do this is because of what I've heard and what I've experienced through the world of podcasting. You know, it's a, it's a nice thing to give back to people. Um, yeah. Can we take a moment just to talk about um, your adventures? Because you, <laughs> I know you probably like, you have this conversation a lot and you, you say the same things. Over, I know it's like, okay. Um, yeah. But not to the, the degree where I have rode across the Atlantic single-handedly wow wow where did that come from (laughs) what an amazing achievement yeah it's um I never quite know what to say about that because it's kind of it was an experience you know I'm not going to say it was an amazing experience because at the time it was pretty blooming awful um you know 76 days it took me and and 76 days I love people I love talking so 76 on my own in the middle of an ocean when I when I don't know how to row and I've never done anything on the ocean um you know that was challenging but that was why I had to do it it was meant to be a a challenge so yeah it was it was um an amazing thing to an amazing project to, to be part of, I think is probably the way to put it. Um, yeah, learn a lot, learn a lot. The build up to that though, the build up to that, like not quite knowing what to expect, training on the seven, all these kind of things that you did yes. that, that was in, your, in yes. your little documentary that was amazingly made, by the way. Um, yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, what was that like for you to get there and be like, oh my God, this is a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Um, completely overwhelming is the honest answer. Um, but I think the one thing, funnily enough, I, I did a talk earlier this week where I had actually sort of reflected on on this in that um, I didn't want to do it. You, you know, it was overwhelming. I often questioned why the hell I'd ever come up with the thought that I might possibly be able to row across the Atlantic on my own. Um but I had to remember why I was doing it because um, each day I was on the ocean, I was rowing for a different young person who'd been through mental and physical trauma. Um, and each day we were, they'd all written and shared their own stories. So each day we were sharing their stories online and, and through the website and social media. And I kind of had to say to myself, when someone's been through cancer, when someone's been a, a survivor of the Manchester arena bombing, when someone's been abused, they have no choice whether they deal with it or they don't. They just have to keep going. They just have to deal with it. So that that was why I had to do it. You know, I had to, despite not wanting to, the whole aim of the row was to inspire and motivate people to get out there and keep going and push their boundaries. So what kind of example would I be if I if I ran away, if I didn't see it through and yet I'm telling them, you know, you can do it, you can get through hard times. So that was, that was why, that was why. And it was why I had to do something like rowing the Atlantic because I, I love climbing mountains. I could have gone and climbed a mountain, but that would have been something that I enjoyed. Um, so I had to do something that was actually going to push me to my limits and and boy did it do that i bet it did i mean i I don't know i don't know what i can't imagine what it's like on your own in a boat at night on the ocean i can't imagine what that's like it must be so scary neither can i and that sounds like the craziest thing in the world to say but when you're there you just it's almost like you you take on another persona and you 
you just deal with it because you've got no choice. And sometimes I look back at some of the photos. I was actually actually watching another rowers footage of, of them out on the Atlantic the other day. And I was like, I didn't do that. Of course I didn't do that. It was, it was like it was I was watching a film and it was Pretty someone surreal. else doing it. Yeah, completely surreal. Um but what uh what uh do you know this actually probably going off on a bit of a tangent here so i hope you don't mind but it's a podcast um, what it's for baby it's a podcast (laughs) you can always cut it can't you um so someone said to me when i came back and it was a great friend um he'd actually lost both his legs in afghanistan and he said to me um you know afghanistan is such a surreal world it's like a parallel universe and unless you've been there no one can understand it and he said I would imagine that that being out in the middle of the Atlantic is is something very similar. And I kind of, you know, like, yeah, you are. It's like it's a parallel universe that isn't real. But the trouble with doing it as a solo is you haven't even got anyone else to compare notes with, you know, as in, can you remember when that happened? And can you remember that moment? And what he said to me was, you know, he came back from Afghanistan and it was like he needed it to fit into everyday life to make sense of it but sometimes that experience is never going to fit because it's such a surreal parallel universe it can't fit into normal life it just exists on its own it just exists and it's like if you think of the jigsaw puzzle of life you know it's a separate little jigsaw puzzle on its own and that made sense of the Atlantic for me but I've also used that a lot with people who've been through trauma that a lot of the time I think people um, get a lot of unrest and upset and anxiety because they can't make it fit and maybe it's it's okay that it doesn't that it just sits in a separate little jigsaw piece of its own wow that was deep wasn't it that was deep <laughs> I, I mean i didn't realize it had that effect on you i mean it is an amazing achievement but it's obviously had a long lasting effect on you um but yeah, look yeah. What's oh god yeah sorry boom no, I was going to say, but look what's happened because of it, you know. Climbing out is is, is is this thing now that you're doing and, you know, because of the awareness that you've you, you've created because yes. of, you know. Yes, and I think it was more um, the learnings that I had in reaching <laughs> rock bottom, which sounds melodramatic, but, you know, up until that point with climbing out, I'd, I'd been a bit of a preach the positivity, you know, have the tools in your toolbox and focus on the positives and everything will be fine. What the Atlantic taught me was that when things are really tough, really tough, you know, sometimes the tools don't work and it's okay to just acknowledge that you're struggling. And that actually was far more real life to the people that we work with and support than saying focus on the positives um and although it is focusing on the positives you've got to be in the right place to do that you know so sometimes acknowledging the struggle is is okay so I think in pushing myself to the the point that I did I mean I I hated I hated the solitude you know on day two I just went I, I really love people I, I'm totally with you on that one because that's the first thing I brought up was the because I work on my own at night time, right? So I don't have anybody else really to talk to. And this is where the whole podcasting thing came from because I needed some yep. background, right? And then I wanted to give that back to other people, right? Because I can't, st- it's hard being doing a job that's uh, really important uh, and you, you can't, you have to make the right decisions, right? Because uh, mm. you, when you're out on your own on the ocean, you could you could row off for a whole night in the wrong direction, and you've got to you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you've got to trust yeah. yourself, and uh, yes. that's hard to do. And that was, you know, it's a really good point because that was something that was so hard out there. Is that I realised what a bad decision maker I am because <laughs> when I had to make decisions, I would normally go, "What do you think about this?" to someone else to sort of get a bit of confidence in my decision making and when you've got no one to ask out there um that that was really hard really hard mm. um just swear, just row across the atlantic they said it'd be fun yeah. they said. i could just imagine you giving yeah, yourself a hard time you know exactly <laughs> and you know what you don't until you're out there yeah you don't realize the simple things that become much harder. It, you know, the one thing I realised was that I 
I bounce off other people a lot. So a lot of my positivity comes from being aware that if I'm not a happy, bubbly person, it impacts on others. Now, when you suddenly take away the others, you have no reason not to be miserable and grumpy. So I got really miserable and grumpy out there. And I was like, who is this person? I I hate the person I am out here. And then, you know, when you're feeling miserable and grumpy, everything becomes harder. And and so everything became harder. Mm. And it was like, what's happening? What's happening out here? <laughs> and I did not realize just how important people are around us you know really what was it like like for you because you you talk about the the guy from afghanistan what was it like for you coming Mm. back and having that to deal with and and fitting back into society and routine and your friends and things just drifting off into space and be like are you on the ocean again yeah i'm back on the ocean you know was that hard for you um not really no um it was ridiculous I, i often say so i landed um back in the uk on the saturday morning and Travelled back to my parents because they'd been looking after my dogs while I was away. And on that Saturday night, I was sat on the sofa watching Casualty, having just eaten a big meal and had a bath. And I was going to bed in a normal bed. And I sat there like it was completely normal. I was like, hang on a minute. 72 hours ago, I was still in the middle of the blooming Atlantic. Like, I just fell back into normal life and it was like the Atlantic had never happened you said um, that in the film didn't you you did say yeah yeah yeah. and and that was really weird Mm. really weird in that I just it was suddenly like I'd imagined the whole thing and I hadn't really done it and I still feel like that now I still can't believe I actually did it It, you know one minute you're on a cute you're uh you're in the Atlantic, the next minute you're in the queue in the post office. Yeah, <laughs> Just doing normal exactly. Like, how bonkers is that? Crazy, um, yeah. But I think the thing I did find quite hard was you realise how simple life was out there, you know, because actually you had your routine, you nothing changed, you, you rode, you ate, you slept a little bit and you rode a bit more, you know, that was that was life and suddenly having to think about getting the food shopping and going to the post office and filling with filling house and walking the dogs and calling people and answering emails I, I was like oh my god take me back to the Atlantic which was ridiculous because I actually missed it once I got back so, <laughs> um, uh, but there was a lot a lot to learn from that I imagine I imagine she's such a hero I couldn't imagine it I couldn't imagine I couldn't sleep I couldn't just go oh, okay it's fine I'm just gonna go sleep now doesn't you know can wake up in anywhere in the world right now yeah. go sleep like <laughs> I mean again bottom line is you didn't have a lot of choice it, mm. you know like you had to sleep you couldn't go three months without sleeping and I actually got quite used to it you just you just did when you you woke up you checked your chart plotter and you see where you drifted to and you adjusted your bearing accordingly and and off you got and you, you just had to accept that some nights you got three miles you, you were blown in the right direction the most I ever made was 11 miles when I was sleeping like that nice. was a really good day um yeah yeah like it was great um but you know hand in hand with that you had some days when you got blown in the wrong direction and, and you had a, additional miles um to row so it you know there was there was pros and cons but the one thing I wanted to say there I was when you said oh you're such a hero I am so not um in that and I think it's so important to say I see a lot of people who achieve incredible things you know do amazing challenges and and have be, you know win gold medals or whatever it is and have been incredibly strong independent capable people I wasn't at all you know I was pooing my pants about doing it I cried most days I had a really bad attitude a lot of days I, I kind of called myself the Bridget Jones of the Atlantic because <laughs> you know you know the scene where she she's doing the parachute jump and she ends in the pigsty covered in pig poo <laughs> And like that was me. I would fall off my seat and end up with my legs in the air. I would, I would trip over. I set the boat on fire. I, what? I, I mean, like, I, yeah. I, oh, I, I mean, I, I was do, boiling my water one day and I tried to turn the gas off and I dropped the jet boil and the, literally went woof. So I had to throw the jet boil, the gas canister, everything overboard to stop it from setting the entire boat on fire. And then I'm watching 
my jet boil float away going i'm not sure if i'm allowed to swear but i have to okay i'll be out um, it'd be funny okay <laughs> um like there goes my cooking facilities like my poo bucket right <laughs> so you poo in a bucket there's no toilet on board you poo in a bucket and then you wash your, your bucket out over the board I had three poo buckets on board and in the first week I did it twice like what an idiot I just I went over leant overboard to wash them out and a wave hit the bucket ripped Gone. out my hands <laughs> and I lost my poo bucket did I learn after the first time no I didn't I did exactly the same thing with the second poo bucket so suddenly in the first week I've lost two of my three poo buckets overboard I've got one poo bucket left and I'm just thinking you know law of averages doesn't bode well that this has now got to last another <laughs> three months but then I learn and I and I tied the poo bucket on so every time I washed it out overboard it was tied to the boat so it couldn't get ripped out of my hands I was such a numpty out there but my point with that is I was a numpty I was a numpty before it I was a numpty during it I was pretty much a numpty after it but I still did it. So the people that are sitting at home and, you know, listening to this going, oh, well, that's awesome, but I couldn't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because I was anything but a hero. I was a chuffin numpty most of the time. Um, and, and that for me was the most important message it's it's not just the people who are supreme athletes or supreme individuals that can go and do this stuff. You can do it. You've just got to make the decision to do it. Um, and except it's not going to be easy. Um, I think you are. I think I mean, um, I mean, the fact that you're, you're sitting here today and you're saying, I'm not a hero. I didn't. I didn't. You know, heroes are supposed to be selfish, selfless, not selfish. <laughs> I to beat myself out of that. Um, <laughs> um, it says here a hero, a heroine in its feminine form, is a real person or main fictional character who, in the face of danger, combats adversity through feats of ingenuity, courage, or strength. Like um, like other formerly solely gender-specific terms, like actor, hero is often used to refer to any gender. To blah, blah, blah. You are a hero. You did this and you survived it, and you you're. Not not even I've I've never heard that sort of. I've never well, I've never looked it up in the dictionary, but oh, I might hold on. I might call myself a hero now. That's cool. <laughs> there you go. And the fact is that you're inspiring others a bit because of it. You you are a hero, and I, I think you're a, a huge inspiration. Um, my internet is starting to is starting to play up. I've never been so stressed about internet in my life. I swear to God, um, Kelda, you've been an amazing <laughs> guest. I'd love talking. To, I'd love to get you on again, and we can we can maybe we can once the world reopens, um, we can come and spend some time with you guys at climbing out, and we can sort of let's discuss. do it. That would be amazing because again, the that. more that we can spread the word, and and you know, it is all about inspiring people. Um, you, you know, if if this podcast can inspire one person to get out and do something. That's a great day for me. That reminds me of swigging coffee while we're chatting. Um, (laughs) What's the name of the podcast that you you put together? What's the actual name of it? If anybody wants to go, and where can people find them? I know we will share them, but yeah. They're they're called um, Real Life Motivation. Um, they're a Buzzsprouts podcast so I'm, I'm a bit new to the world of podcasts as well so you probably I hope I'm not giving false information but they're on they're on Buzzsprouts um, they're called Real Life Motivation um, but yeah I, we've shared all the links through the Climbing Out social media but that you probably have to go back in time um, to get all of that but I can share them with, with you Alan then please feel free to put them out there as well but yeah Real Life Motivation on Buzzsprouts. Fantastic yeah we'll share them I, I think that's great uh, I'd love to you guys like podcasts you listen to the shoes biscuit right now you know the name of this one now. <laughs> google it you'll find it i promise you but we will share the links to make it a little bit easier is there anything you anybody you'd like to thank or anything any messages you'd like to relay before we get out of here um oh that's do you know what i think first up um i hope this make sense to people as in you know I I kind of always want to keep it real that's why we called the podcast real life motivation because it's never about fluffing things up like let's keep it real but let's be open and and honest and and do you know what if you've got something you want to go and do go do it um it might not be easy 
but that's all the more reason to do it and when I first started thinking about rowing the Atlantic I was like how is this even possible like firstly how do you get across the Atlantic where there's no signposts you know um but secondly how do I start where do I start you know from raising the money to learning the skills to actually rowing but just break it down one step at a time manageable chunks and before you know it you know find your Atlantic whatever that is and it doesn't have to be the Atlantic like massively it can be learning to knit you know if that's been a dream go out and learn to knit um it doesn't have to be something massive like rowing the Atlantic but but dare to dream oh that's another profound statement to end isn't it dare to dream <laughs> dare to dream well, we, we have... <laughs> Sound like Nelson Mandela <laughs> <laughs> on the 21st we have our open studios we're doing them every month now we'd like to get at least seven shows we record it all in one day one after the other uh, maybe uh, we can put some together where you can grab if you're going to grab a couple of young your young people join us on the open studios maybe we can record a podcast and talk about their experiences that might be nice That'd be amazing. Yeah, brilliant. I'm sure they'd love I'll be to see into, that. I'll, I'll drop you a line after this. Um, this has been amazing. I, I can't, I'm so, so privileged to have spoken to you. And I, the ice is broken now. I'm not going anywhere. It's but, great. We're off. Let's do more. Let's do more. <laughs> let's do more. Um, thank you to, to Dean Harris for, for putting this uh, connection together because it obviously makes a lot of sense. There's a podcast there with for you guys and the podcast here. And of course, it's Shropshire. So, and Shrewsbury. And this is what I love. Um, I'd love to. I'd love uh, to to do this again with you sometime. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, I would love. To, no, it's great. I would love to give the listeners a, a, the chance to you know, go to our website and take a look. Please, uh, it's uk. Um, all of our audio is available on there, uh, and that's made for us by our friends at Web Orchard. Uh, if you need a website, go and check them out. Uh, do you want to remind people of your website again and social media where they can find you, Kelda? Yep, and um, the website is climbingout.org.uk. Um, we're on uh, Facebook and Twitter as as well, which is Climbing Out. Um, so if you put that in, you'll find us. Fantastic. Brilliant. Uh, well, thank you very much, everybody. And we will catch you guys uh, next time on the Shoes of Biscuit. Thank you very much. Peace out. Bye.